You are listening to Mantra and Magic. The podcast where Eastern philosophy meets Western magical practice. Each week, we will introduce you to concepts, people, and tools that we hope will bring you into closer alignment with your true nature and your divine self. We are your hosts, Amy Salara and Jeremy Renta. Welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to season two of Mantra and Magic. I am half of your host, Jeremy Renta. <laughs> and I'm the other half, Amy Solara. And we're, we're doing something new, guys. Yeah, we decided to do some video and record uh, go, going, going you know, into the future. It's not just audio anymore. We're getting off of the talk. We're going to the, the talkies. Oh, my gosh. It's the Aquarian age. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, last uh, last season we got up to was it forty three or forty four episodes? Forty four. Yeah, 44 that's episodes. crazy. We actually had a weekly podcast. That's I didn't do much of anything weekly last year aside from talking to you, and sometimes new people. So um, now you're getting to do more. We're gonna get fancy. We're gonna have yeah edited audio so that it's not a bunch of us going uh with crickets chirping in the background except deborah unless it's used for comedic crickets. effect yeah correct me up she's like keep the crickets so we're we wanted to give you guys a little update um where we're at some of the people that we have coming towards you some of the formats that we're running you're gonna hear some ads now because mm-hmm. we've upgraded that too and you're also going to hear some new voices and some familiar ones we're going to bring back some old guests so if there's anybody that you're like "Ooh, we want to hear the conversation go further please don't hesitate to ask yes interacting with us is a good thing any chance any chance uh, we get to talk to you would be fantastic so it was really funny too like i went back and looked at some of our our reviews which i oddly enough didn't really do uh last year when we were reporting and i was just like i started tearing up and crying i was like oh my god we've actually got an active audience who's really uh, really enjoying what it is that we're doing so thanks again for thanks again for listening all the way through to, through last year and and thanks for coming back for season 2 yeah we're excited there's there's some people that we've been like just very very excited to have and then there's some people that were brand new excited to have in the sense that we didn't know about them but because of our own personal journeys we've encountered them now because where we were last year magically it's like what's the adverb adjective of mantra mantrally (laughs) (laughs) we're in a different place now we're in a completely new space but it in a good way where i think i've i've adopted ceremonial magic in a whole new light and you've gone down the deep end of astrology so we've traded places in some senses of the word and we've also just encountered what the other person's already doing it's fun how we've kind of, we have been kind of like swapping back and forth as well which has been really cool because i think like you said you went more into the mantra side last year and now you've kind of gone to the ceremonial magic side part of it's just because being you know, living in Colorado and the, the temperature is not always, it's not always fun to go outside um, over the past like couple of months. But I mean, last night it was probably in the 50s or 60s. So I stepped out on the back porch for the first time. I had a really nice clear sky and I was just like, stars, I've missed you so much. Like, it's so, so <laughs> good to see you again. Um, and that has been a, that has been a big, 
that has been a big thing for me. We were talking about like how our practices changed over this past year. And, um, you know, starting out with working with Deborah and uh, Deborah Silverman, um, uh, being able to kind of like have a different perspective on the stuff that I was learning and, and having, having somebody who literally has been doing it her entire life to give me like, you know, give me hope for where my practice can actually go with astrology. Cause again, I've read, you know, books and I've known whatever my entire life. And then I finally get to the point where I, I meet somebody who is a, a true master at the art. And, uh, it gave me, I feel like it kind of gave me permission to, to be more inquisitive and to actually take astrology off of the, you know, um, simple wheel with the sun in the middle and where the planets are and actually go outside and look and see, and you can actually see the fucking stars move. It's really incredible. So, like that you want to talk about practical astrology so um you know over this past year like episode 26 of the first season if you want to go back there you go yeah if you want to go back and listen to deborah um so yeah this um this past year it has been really interesting i felt like last spring when we first started i was um i was more into ceremonial i was doing a lot of more earth magic um i was doing a lot of I was doing a lot of fire magic, a lot of like very present here magic. And then once we got into the summer and first part of the fall, uh, it went all astral. Like I just spent the majority of my time either outside. Um, if I didn't, if I didn't, um, if I didn't stay up late and go outside either to play music or to be inspired or to, you know, to drop in a ceremony and talk to my angels, um, they would wake me up early in the morning. And it's, it's so funny and interesting too. It's like, you know, I've started to understand more and more like why it is that the golden dawn and all of the ceremonial magic practices over the past, you know, how many ever years, really in the past, like, you know, 150 to 200 are all named after, you know, Libra Starte or like, you know, it's always based off of the sunrise. It's always based off of like, you know, light and, and um, the beginning of the day is what it seems like. And I've started, I've noticed really in the past year, or at least, you know, two or three years ago back when I would, I would get woken up, I would feel like Kali was waking me up. And I would get up because she wanted me to get on my mat and she wanted me to start doing mantra. And I would literally do, you know, I would do mantras for an hour and a half. I would do my yoga practice and then I would be able to go back to sleep and I would process and she would often visit me in my dreams. And uh, nowadays, because I haven't really been working as much with Hindu deities, um, it's angels that are showing up in my dreams. And we talked the other day, I was saying, you know, I'll have uh, people that are usually uh, actors or somebody famous that'll show up. And um, it's somebody whose name is John or Michael or somebody who like correlates to Raphael, you know, somebody who shows up and correlates to one of the archangels. And it's like, I, I know that there's a message that I'm being told. And that means that it's also going to guide what my practice is going to be for the rest of the day. Um, I just think that it's really interesting that, you know, no matter what name you put on it or, or, or what deity you, you think that you're devoted to, like, you know, the, the way that we can, at least for me, the way that I'm able to communicate most clearly with all of these, these deities is through, or these energies is through my dreams. And they'll just show up and be like, Hey, it's time for you to try something new. And it's like, Oh my God. Okay. And it's, you know, being able to do dream interpretation has been something that's been big for me over the past couple of months. Um, I think the, you know, having my moon in my 12th house and my Neptune in my 11th, it's those things are starting to kind of like show up. Uh, also the older I get, because, you know, again, if you're looking at it from a, from an Eastern standpoint, the energy centers start to rise, you know, our Kundalini starts to rise naturally, the older we get, because we're going to go up and out. So, um, 
I'm feeling like those planets in my chart are also in those houses are starting to play a bigger role in my, in my ceremonial practice. So, um, I'm interested to see where it goes again, like once it starts to warm up a little bit more where I can get back outside, um, and, and kind of drop back in. I also realized that I could, I mean, I, I have been getting up and doing my practice in the morning and doing my yoga practice, but it's not necessarily, I'm not necessarily always ceremonial about it. And I, I've, I can definitely feel a huge difference when I don't cast a circle and, and do, um, do you do the lesser banishing? Yes. Yeah. On the reg, like that happens pretty often in our house. So, uh, just to start the day off or start, you know, anything off with, uh, with the LBRP, I think is incredibly, incredibly beneficial because it also attunes you to those at least four or six energies, depending on which way you, you do the, the LBRP. Um, but you know, uh, you know, it's like going to a yoga class. You don't always cast a circle when you go to a yoga class. And when I'm doing uh, sessions with people on table at the spa, I don't always, you know, cast a circle because not everybody's comfortable with that. Um, so, but it, it's also really surprising to me, like how quickly they, they show back up. Like they're always there, but like, as soon as you, as soon as you throw your, uh, you know, throw your ceremony back into your practice, um, it's just like they were waiting at the door. You know, that's, that's at least what I've noticed. So um yeah it's (laughs) i feel like everything has shifted since starting all souls Mm -hmm. i don't talk a whole lot about all souls flight school on this podcast but um engaging in a mystery school context where it's a weekly thing of leading people up to other temple spaces and other dimensional spaces and just like casually saying like yeah well i was talking to thoth the other day (laughs) just (laughs) you know that's what we do um i my sense of what i do has has become like if life is not a ceremony everything is going to start to fall apart Mm-hmm. And I notice the second I leave off my journaling practice, the second mm-hmm. I don't pull a tarot card that day, which really funny today, um, I was doing my usual show me what the day brings. And I always look at like the card that I pull and then what the bottom of the deck is as like the yep. polarity. And um, I had two sevens. I had failure, the, <laughs> <laughs> the seven of discs, and then... Um, the seven of wands, which I forget, wait, hold on, let me grab it, which is the, it's called valor. And that's great. Like valor is great. Failure, not great. And I was just like, oh, says the Virgo. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and blue sits on my lap and he's like, mommy, can I pull a tarot card? And I said, yeah, sure. And I just fanned them out and he pulls out fricking 10 of cups. (laughs) He's got some manifesting to do. Satiety, like complete. satiated state of being he's like look it's pretty i was like yeah you got one of the best cards in the deck baby he's like because mm-hmm. i have the best life he didn't say that but he ran away <laughs> and played with his legos and i thought like, wow it's all perspective right we're having mm-hmm. the same day i'm in the same house as him we're, we're doing all the same activities but for him it's complete sense of fulfillment emotional contentment uh joy and being able to have everything that he wants. And for me, I'm like, I can't keep up with my life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. You were like, you know what? I have the, we have the best hobby. (laughs) There's (laughs) that sense of like, 
there's that sense of, of dissatisfaction because we don't get paid, you know, we don't right now, we don't get paid to do this at all. It's really a passion project more than anything else, but it's like, this literally is all I've ever wanted to do. You know, it's, it's talk true. about magic and talk to other people about what their practice actually is. So if we, if we don't define it as a job, and this is something that I, I want a lot of people to hear, because I think it's important because you and I are learning the lesson just because it's not what you get paid to do doesn't mean it's not the thing that fulfills you. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you can't have just a normal job and do something that fulfills you on the side. And this, like getting to talk to the people we talk to. We talked to Yakov Darling Khan. I never thought that was going to happen. We talked to Uma Dinsmore Tuli, and I never thought that was going to happen. Sneak peek, people. So <laughs> getting getting the opportunity to speak to all of these amazing people, their artists and their coaches and their just transformational healers. And, and they're humble. And, and they're, they're just humble. like you and me. Yeah. Yes. And they're so happy to share the work they do because it's what they love. And, and there's no... There's no limit now to who I feel like we can talk to because of this. And that is huge, I think, for both of us, where we, we were really good at building pedestals and putting people on pedestals. And then we've also jokingly said that we could have several seance calls and <laughs> have, have the spirits of the dead people that we've wanted to talk to. And I'm like, wow, sky's the limit. Who knows what's going to happen in the third season? It might just all be people who are not physically present if you want to subscribe, you have to like join the astral projection <laughs> network that we're on. We don't post to you, to uh, Insta, to iTunes yeah. anymore. We won't we won't post to YouTube our, our strange disembodied conversations with <laughs> Alistair Crowley. Also weird. Like I feel like I've been able to super embrace ceremonial magic because I just got over the people who were involved. Mm-hmm. That you yeah that is. That is really funny because last year, literally, uh, you and I both talked about this. You had, we both had some things to say about Crowley. I think probably like the first 10 or 20 episodes, we were just kind of like, the guy, I don't know, you know. And I remember talking, yeah, talking to Lindsay about it too, where I was just kind of like, you know, I, you don't have to worry. I don't ever, I'm not going to work with, uh, like, I'm not going to work with Crowley or any of like any of the uh, grimoires that are a little (laughs) bit on the heavier side. And then literally, it's like a couple of days later where I'm like, I think that's when I found the Thoth Tarot book. You and I both found it about the same time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And then I started reading his, uh, the Enochian book that Lon Milo Duquette did of, of his. And it's like, like, oh, I see. It's like, you can kind of let these preconceived notions fall away because they really, it's, it's, it's somebody else is, you know, in charge of the marketing for that shit. You know, it was the same way with the, uh, we, we, I don't know if we, I think we talked about it at one point, but like the, they say tannic panic and everything that was going on in like 70s, 80s and 90s, where the the church and the mainstream media kept pointing at all these satanic groups for doing all of this child molestation. And it was the church who was doing it. It's kind of like, oh, we just did something fucked up. Let's go ahead and blame somebody else for it and kind of call them out on it. So, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't know Crowley, but I do know that Israel Regardi, who is one of my greatest teachers at a very young age, decided that he was going to uproot his life. And go across the sea, you know, went to England to become his to become Crowley's secretary. And it's like, you know, if he saw he saw something in the guy and what it was that he was doing, and obviously he has had a huge impact because he's the prophet of the the twentieth or the twenty first century. You know, like he's the new Aeon of Horus. Yeah. So, um, I like and the going way back that, and, that Duquette phrased it too with um, the gods of the previous age are always demonized. Mm-hmm. And, yes. And the priests of the current age only ever see the apocalypse. 
they mm-hmm. don't see beyond. And so, of course, uh, Crowley, and what's really fun, I want to I wanna share this with people who don't read as much as you and I do with our, all of our air, <laughs> and who may not have come across um, this little anecdotal fact. Alistair Crowley's mom used to jokingly call him the Beast. The Beast, yeah, that's where he got his name. <laughs> a wild child. He would run around, he'd get muddy and scraped up, and he'd come home and she'd say, oh, my petite fauve, my little beast. <laughs> and and that was it. And he was like, okay, that's my nickname. I'm the Beast. And later he encountered, you know, the Beast in Babylon and was like, cool, I'm going to have a really sexy consort. And he had multiple <laughs> wives. So and who knows if they were all healthy relationships i highly doubt that based off of other anecdotal facts but that's where he got the nickname it's not because he really was the wickedest man on earth he thought it was a funny pun and i want to make t-shirts for children that say le petit fauve (laughs) (laughs) well again i think beast in french p.s all of those people we can definitely learn we can definitely learn something from anybody uh in history that gave a middle finger to the establishment you know like there's there's definitely something there. And uh, just from what you were saying, um, it's, you know, common knowledge that anytime anybody's trying to uproot shit, um, there's going to be pushback. But one of my favorite quotes is uh, by Maurice Maeterlinck, who is also a, an occultist. And it's at every crossroads on the path that leads to the future, tradition has placed 10,000 men to guard the past. And it's like, you know, no matter who it is, somebody's always going to say, well, that's not right. Because, I, you know, I remember asking my brother in 2000. 2011, I think it was either 2011 or 2012. Um, my brother's a banker. He is a hedge fund manager. And I remember asking him, Dave, um, I'm, I've got a bunch of, I got some extra cash right now. I'm thinking about investing in Bitcoin. Do you think that would be a good idea? And he said, <laughs> <laughs> he said, you know, he said, cash is king and cash will always be king and our our currency system is never going anywhere and i said i guess i should trust you you're a fucking expert in finance and you know that would have probably been a really great time to purchase some bitcoin but been perfect yeah you so can still do don't, it don't yeah that's great i'll buy one fifty thousandth of a bitcoin right now they're um, going up it's going to turn into one twenty fifth eventually it's true, yeah. But I mean, it's uh, it's just funny to you know people who come out with new ideas. Uh, you you're going to be demonized. There's you're going to be the Joan of Arc. You know, like mm-hmm. any of those people are also the people you want to listen to because you go, they've actually got some good points because they shake the system, they shake the tree, and they knock down some of the dead leaves. So, I also think not ascribing to one system. That's something you and I definitely learned over the past year, and mm-hmm. and have really embraced for this year where it's like okay we don't have to follow the orthodox regimented version of x y and z we can bring this in and bring our knowledge from over here for this thing and kind of start to weave it all together and in a very long mellow duquette way of all the information how can we pack all the information Mm -hmm. in until we just become one with everything versus the eastern zen wave how can we get rid of all the information (laughs) until we become one thing until we became nothing yeah yeah because i mean we are using mantra but we're like recognizing okay if we if we want to isn't jupiter guru guruve guruve yeah yeah and so he's just like blessings He's just happy teacher blessings. 
And if we use his mantra and we're doing planetary magic with ceremonial magic, and we also at the same time are looking at our astrology chart to see, oh, Jupiter's transiting this part of my chart and that's affecting me in this area, then we can focus all of the energy that we're building with the mantra, channeling through the ceremonial magic towards that area of our life. So then it Mm -hmm. all works together and it doesn't have to be like only just chanting or only an altar to Jupiter. Well, also chanting is not, uh, you know, geographically fixed to just the Eastern, uh, Eastern part of the, the map i say it's technically it's a big fucking sphere but it's not just described it's not just are you sure are you sure it's not flat with the ocean on whatever it's still round baby it might be a circle but But, um i mean mantra is is a repetition of anything you can go to the grocery store and pick up those things that have the the cheesy things that where you're just repeating mantra is the thing that you repeat in your mind you know manas is mine so um you know, being able to kind of pull our, our head out of our ass when it comes to that whole thing, I think is incredibly important because again, other, I always come back to blaming white men, but somebody <laughs> always says, this is ours now. And if like, it's the whole thing we were talking uh, about, we always talk about cultural appropriation. It's like the word mantra itself is not connected to any culture, except for the language that it was you know, originally written in, whether it's Germanic or Latin, I'm not really certain. I don't know all languages. Well, um, all of them come back to that Indo-European language that contributes to Sanskrit as well, because if people right. look at the history of it, those people came from out of India into India with the Upanishads. Like, those are not native to India. Mm-hmm. Um, so It was a bunch of white people. It was a bunch of white men. It was the Aryans, yeah. <laughs> which a lot of people don't want to ever talk about but Mm -hmm. go read underworld by graham hancock you'll hear all about it and intro Mm -hmm. back to jupiter i'm really into jupiter right now it's just like he's in the field well he's uh he's in aquarius for the rest of this year right so he's no he's not the ancient ruler he's the ancient ruler of pisces that's why i'm talking about him because we're in pisces Mm. season as i wave around my your crystal bowl (laughs) my crystal bowl mallets (laughs) so yeah when we're when we're getting into all of this mantra and we're going to have another guest on that you will hear soon who is going to talk about mantra from the west and transforming things um with sound in ways that your your brain doesn't this is why mantra in sanskrit works for so many people your brain Mm -hmm. stops associating what the words are and it just starts working on the tones because we yeah. understand all the words and how to do that with English or uh, Western derived language so that you are, again, getting back to the tones and not just um, trying to hold that intention the whole time with those words. It's like, how do you well, get to the root of it? Again, I, we, I think we discussed this last year in one of the episodes, but the whole idea is that you know, language is is a way of painting pictures. I say a word so that an image appears in your mind so that you have a correlate to it. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when, what I was saying about dreams is, you know, having someone in your dream who shows up, and looks like someone or saying someone's name that you recognize, like those obviously kind of processes through a different part of our brain, but it's like that information is, is stored inside of us that it's, it's, it's not the same as reading it or saying it or doing it, you know, um, with mantra, I, um, I can't remember if it was the uh, Cornelius Agrippa book that I'm reading or if it was the um, Franz Barden, but um, he was talking about how 
um, the language, I think it was a Cornelius Agrippa. I, he was talking about how languages, when they're trans, like uh, sacred words or, or the names of deities, when they're translated um, into another language, it doesn't work, right? Because it's not, it's not those sound vibrations or it's not the shapes in light or, you know, if you're looking at it from Hebrew, you know, the shapes themselves are, are um, portions of the tree of life that actually vibrate certain areas in our energetic body and throughout the, the, the cosmos. So, you know, doing a translation might be a way for you to be able to see what the thing is, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the actual name. Just like the dream that I had where, you know, Raphael showed up and told me that his name was a name of a friend of mine. Like that is for me to make the connection of what the angel name is, but the angel itself might still be, you know, something completely unintelligible or, or indescribable, you know? Well, so like, we always, um, we always say we want to connect to these very far off concepts. And mm -hmm. I don't think our brains can process them as they currently exist because we right. have laws and rules that we're abiding by in order to remain human. Well, and, we, yeah, we had to forget. It's like we signed a yeah. contract to forget. Yeah. And, and I think we're getting these little bits and pieces through our dreams because less of our conscious mind is present. And so more of those things can come through more of their true energetic frequency can come through right because we're not limiting ourselves like in a dream you can fly in a dream you can breathe underwater in a dream you can travel through time and you can suddenly walk through a wall and like everything that we talk about wanting to be able to do with yoga siddhis and magic mm -hmm. you can do in dreams therefore all of these beings these angels can come to us so much easier without us being frightened because right the second they appear in real life we all get terrified otherwise the be not afraid yeah. <laughs> phrases of don't worry i mean you no harm just chill just calm down take a breath my name's gabriel pay no attention to the wings <laughs> yeah which is funny because like right when we got started i realized that the one dream i was telling you about in that castle it mm -hmm. was uriel like i i did like a little string of Ah, this relates to this, which relates to this. Oh, that's who it was. Because mm -hmm. he was shining so bright in the midst of all the rest of it. And it's like, okay, we can work with this. And Patron Archangel of ma uh, Magicians. <sighs> which feels so good. It's like, he's so friendly. But, mm -hmm. um, and the other thing too, like with all of that is with the work we're doing, we're not just casting circles, waving wands, lighting candles. Right. We're, you're doing therapy. I'm doing a lot of shadow work. I did Deborah's tell me a story with mm -hmm. my mentor, Milena, and like you saw me cry hard. And th that's new. That's not, <laughs> that's not something that I was engaging in frequently up until that point. People had to die for me to cry. So it was like to be able to sit and hear someone's story and want to cry now oh here are the tears like the the new elements are flowing but it's because we're doing shadow work and a mm -hmm. lot of it um we're doing with carolyn elliott like she's tapped into something and i love it also started doing tapping mm -hmm. <laughs> all the tapping spots and um anton was actually doing it today and it got his stress and anxiety to go from like one number down quite a few numbers instantly and i was like okay we're, we're still uniting East and West because it's the acupressure points of Eastern right. medicine, which 
weirdly, that's what I'm reading the boys for bed every night is <laughs> acupressure. The web that has no weaver, so it's all of the philosophy behind Chinese medicine. <laughs> <laughs> These little kids, like, what are you reading for bed? Well, mommy's talking about the difference between qi and jing, which is essence. <laughs> <laughs> How does the liver affect like the song of this thing or the fluid motion of said party part in this acupressure point seven three? It's just it's fascinating how touching on those spots and repeating English mantras, English affirmations mm -hmm. of I fully accept my body for exactly where it is right now and the amount of cortisol that's running through it. But I'm here to tell my body you are totally safe. You are not under threat. You are blah, 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 blah. And like, okay, what do I want to do? I want to have peace and I want to feel very calm and like whatever it is. And you're repeating it over and over and you're touching all of these Eastern points that Western medicine is like, we don't get it. What are meridians? Look, if you fix the problem, you can't charge everybody for insurance. And you <laughs> no, but it's, it's fascinating how many other things are, are there. And then how, also how many things are coming back. Like, I think I told three different people in the past month to read Women Who Run With the Wolves. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've been telling people that. I've been telling people forever and ever to read Yoni Shakti. And now we're, we got to talk to Uma. And so I feel like there's, there's some stuff in the field right now that's coming up with this year. Last year was like going into the cave. Mm-hmm. And I think this year people are starting to notice that they're looking at the shadows and not the reality and right. they're looking for where the reality is. And we're all standing outside the cave going, Hey, come over here. Release it's a lot brighter. Yeah. Plato's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? This is the great thing about editing. Um, yeah um what were we just talking about we talked about uma we talked about the, oh yeah um something that i have to keep reminding myself of is that all of the things that you and i have been interested in for a really long time the stuff that really does take up you know most of my mental space um there are people out there there are people out there who are currently doing it and who are currently uh, better than me at it and there are people out there who have no clue uh, what it is that, you know, th that these things even exist. Yeah. And, you know, we talked a lot about, um, we talked a lot about uh, imposter syndrome last season with a lot of our guests. And, um, you know, I think that there's, there is something there about like completely owning where you are and being able to kind of like acknowledge the fact that you are in a better place or a further place than you were, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, or, you know, at a certain point in time, I, I didn't even, I, I feel like I've always realized magic was real, but I didn't realize that there were places where I could go and buy books that actually gave useful information that would be helpful and not just fantasy. Um, so, you know, being able to, being able to like stand in my strength, and where we are and what we've done, I mean, we've we've completed an entire season of episodes talking about mu magic, mu uh, uh, mantra, and music with people who are, you know, upstanding in their field. So, um, you know, I want to I want to just kind of give us both a pat on the back for doing doing what we've done. Like you started a fucking church, you know, in this last year. So <laughs> that's I mean, and that's something else that people who might be new to this show are like, wait, she did what? It's not just a church for witches. 
it's a church for anybody who doesn't buy into religion as it stands. And church is the only English word that I felt was fitting because if I said temple, which is what it's called, right? Temple of all souls. If I said temple, people would be like, is it Jewish or is it Mormon? Because mm-hmm. that's the only way that we talk about it in English. And if I say church, people automatically assume Christian. And that's not true either. It's like, here, I'm going to look up the dictionary definition of church because this is what the reason that I started calling it that it's it's a spiritual body it's a group of people getting together who all believe in the same thing public divine worship mm-hmm. like do you go to church every sunday yeah i do. go to church every day boom <laughs> you're a priest <laughs> so uh we we call it the temple of all souls because one i love halloween and I thought that was the only way to say this was a witch church. Is it's All Souls Church. <laughs> it's All Souls Day. Um, and then two, it's for everybody. It's for everybody who wants to experience apotheosis. Which is no easy task. But it's, it's no mean feat. No. <laughs> okay. What are you doing? We're trying to become gods. So it's it's also something that Anton and I were talking about where I was redefining it. I was like, religion, as it has come to be known, is a place where you go to receive an answer so you can stop working and stop seeking and let somebody else save you. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. That's religion of, I, I found the answer. I don't have to look any further. This is it. And then you just, you live your life in that state and you don't change. Spirituality is knowing that there is no answer and you're looking for the divine in yourself. And it's a constant seeking and a constant unfolding of the truth. Thank you, Spira. And it's, it, that's, whoa, that's hard. That's work. It's like the second you a lot choose of responsibility. Religion, yeah. The second you choose religion, you, you can just put your hands up and say like, I let go and let God. And the second you choose spirituality, you say, I hold on. I am God. Mm-hmm. And it's intense and it's hard. And that's part of the reason that I think you and I love it because we don't like idle hands because that's the devil's playground. So we <laughs> get into this space of, okay, I don't want to buy into religion because I don't want there to be just one answer. That's boring. That's what I used to be doing when I was in the cosmic bliss soup of heaven and completely divine. It's just one thing. I wanted to experience controversy. I wanted to experience contradiction. I wanted to experience polarity. I wanted to experience diversity. I wanted to experience having grief and pain and rage and sexual drive and all the things that come with being human Mm -hmm. and for me that's that's the true path of spirituality is this fully embodied presence within my own human vessel understanding that it is temporary and relishing it for that exact reason Mm -hmm. and knowing it's the vehicle towards the divine again because that's all it ever can be and so that's what the temple of all souls is seeking to do is providing a space where everybody can find the community that comes with church, find the resources and stability of a viewpoint of the world that can help you come into alignment and to provide 
the questions that will launch you into spirituality rather than keep you static and sitting in religion. Well, you're also, I mean, it sounds very Unitarian because you're like, we're just going to look at whatever book is out there, right? Like, I mean, they're, no, they're we're all not. written. We're, only, we're mostly looking at the Corpus Hermeticum. Oh, well, you know, I'm sure People that Hermes would that. be, <laughs> Hermes would be excited to hear that. Hermes Trismegistus, <laughs> he's my bro. I mean, because he's also Thoth and Odin. So you, I just, you saying that makes me think you could do a Hamilton style uh, Hermes um what was that? What are you doing? You got ghosts in the house? Yeah, something crashed on the altar right when um, right when I said it was Thoth and Odin. Something fell from the money. He's altar. there. He is. He's present. Odin, like, what up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, on to a, a completely different topic. Um, the other day, I uh, I decided to do naked yoga, which is the first time, <laughs> first time I've ever experienced <laughs> Um, it was just me. Nobody else was there. <laughs> Joking the water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, just you're talking about imbo- being embodied, and honestly, it was just like it really was incredibly empowering to look at my body from a different angle and to just kind of like <laughs> <laughs> down dog will never be the same. <laughs> it really won't. No. Um, and I mean, I remember having, uh, I don't know, it was like a movie or something, but like girls talking about like, uh, you know, using a mirror to kind of see the rest of their body. You know, it's like, you've never really looked at your at your vagina. And it's like, well, you get a mirror and kind of check it out. And I was like, I guess this is a dude. I guess you could do the same thing, but it's not quite as sexy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, just like doing my practice the other day and like it just the different poses where you normally, you know, even if even when you're in a class, especially, but like if you're in a class that's tightly packed, which we haven't had in a while, you know, you know, you're doing um, wide leg forward fold in front of a bunch of people, you're very conscious of what's going on in your body. And to be completely just to let any concept of shame go, and to be able to be completely embodied was something that I realized I have never been completely embodied in my yoga practice because of that, like, there's still a little bit of like holding back or like a little bit of fear, a little bit of shame. And um, uh, I wanted to make sure that we had a, a, a it was a, a non sequitur from you talk about Temple of All Souls <laughs> to me talking about naked yoga because you guys also do yoga, completely clothed. But um, we do, I just we're wanted, naked yeah. people with clothes on. There you go, you're always naked underneath your clothes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, uh, it was, you know, it's it's small things like that, like doing small things in my life in a different way that have have also kind of helped me expand the the concept of, of spirituality um, because, you know, I've, yoga has been a big part of my ceremonial practice, but I'm usually wearing my robe or I'm usually wearing shorts or something else. So like to be, to be fully me. And, and it was, uh, was something that was really kind of cool and nice. So. That's something that's super prevalent in a lot of the witchy texts is that you should be naked when you do the rites because then you're mm-hmm. holy unto yourself. And I, um, not that I've done it often, but I've done it before where mm-hmm. I've been under the full moon completely naked. I realized, oh, my skin is still absorbing that moonlight. It's being told mm-hmm. something. There's a reason that we're doing this because we used to do this. We used mm-hmm. to be mostly exposed to the elements and it, it shifted the cycles within our body and it attuned us to the rhythms of what's going on with nature. And I don't think it's um, – either a sexual cult or random happenstance that they always recommend to do that. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the yogis in in the Himalayas, like 
they're mostly just wearing a loincloth and they've got dreadlocks and right. that's it. They, they very rarely are fully clothed in the way that we are in the West. And then in Western witchy crafts, I feel like they're, they're wearing cloaks cause they're not wearing anything else underneath. Right. And like then they take them off when it's time for, for ritual. And if you're going through initiation, typically you would mm -hmm. get naked and yep. It's because it's a rebirth. You're coming in to that world. So you're being initiated because initiate means to begin. So you're beginning the next phase of your magical practice the way that you would begin your lifetime naked as a baby. Right. So I, it makes sense. I mean, it's been a big part of my ceremonial practice, not necessarily since we've been uh, at the new place, but when we were in Boulder, like we had high walls or high fences. So I could do my, you know, I could do my practice completely nude, which was really nice. And it's, again, it's, you know, I think that's part of the reason why Crowley got such a bad rap is because so much sex magic was tied into it. And sex is magic. Like that is it literally, is. If, especially if you're doing, if you're working the tree of life, when you move up to Yasud, you're at the sexual organs, you know, like that's where that is. So um, that's now, where the, the energetic comes from. <laughs> Damn straight. You got to go through the dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, but it's... Um, yeah, it's uh, there's there has been so much um, vilification of sex, and it's just like I and we and we talked about um, circumcision last uh, last year too. It's just like just anything that could be done by the establishment to really disempower the individual from being able to connect with themselves and with spirit. And it's I'm really I'm grateful to be able to you know have the ability to. Um, to, to read these texts, to find stuff that actually does vibe with us, you know, uh, that's, that it's not necessarily that I have to like switch over to Judaism because I want to study Kabbalism or, or to have to like, you know, become a devotee of, of, of Kali because I'm going to be, you know, uh, studying mantra or working with uh, any of the Mahavidyas. So yeah. thanks America. Let's just, <laughs> let's give a, let's give a big ups to, we, we watched Hamilton the other day for the first time and it was yeah so I wanna, thanks, thanks for you wig wearing weirdos <laughs> oh man mm. alexander hamilton okay yeah it's such a good if you it's i mean you guys have obviously watched it you've got you you've got uh, disney plus but it was god i was just it gave me so much it gave me so much hope and uh, like a it's such a like a boost of passion for theater and i was like Oh, that's why I studied this. That's why I was obsessed with Rent and why I was obsessed with, you know, Fan of the Opera. And, and I didn't always love Andrew Lloyd Webber's stuff, to be completely honest. Like, I felt like it was not necessarily always my vibe. Um, but, uh, yeah, just musical theater in general. It's just, All it's, of it. But mm -hmm. you and I also love catharsis. Mm -hmm. We also love um, group ritual. And that's yep. really what theater that's is. That's theater. That's, that's how it started. And that's why I yeah. like the history of theater. And I was obsessed with... Uh, Sophocles and Euripides and all the old school theater where the gods were literally on stage. And mm -hmm. Everybody's wearing a mask. Yeah. Dionysus is there. Drunken <laughs> rage of the Bacchids. Um, I, I really did relish the, <laughs> the way that you would watch a human being transform when they mm -hmm. put on a mask or put on a character. And I don't think as many actors who do it realize that they are invoking that spirit and they are totally letting themselves become, especially if they're method actors, possessed mm -hmm. by this other entity that is then operating through their body. And that's why everybody who 
I think watches live theater because there's a difference and and yes you can fall in love with someone through the camera but when you're in that live theater space and you see someone on stage and they like become greater than themselves and you can't explain it it's like mm-hmm. it's a spiritual act that's going on and I I think I fell in love over and over and over again with the the humans that I watched do that on stage and I wanted nothing more than to be a part of it and be a mm-hmm. part of that ritual and I think that's why the music transforms it too. It takes it one level higher than just straight theater. And when you get the musical aspect, then you get that rush of emotion. The vibration, yeah. The crescendo (laughs) everyone's having like orgasmic ecstasy without even realizing it. Unless you're doing hair. (laughs) (laughs) Then you're aware of it. (laughs) Then you're very aware of it. (laughs) This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. (laughs) And suddenly we're into ceremonial magic. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, it is really cool that that's like part of the the ceremony, which when I first started getting into it, I didn't understand the like why it is that you have, uh, you know, certain people uh, perform certain roles or be, you know, they're in the role of of, of, of Isis or, or in the role of Osiris. And it's like, you know, that's, that is such a huge thing. Again, we, we, talked a little bit we talked to Uma earlier today this is going to be coming out later but uh, we talked a little bit to Uma earlier about the whole idea of um, being able to channel through those gods or goddesses and it's again we've gone back and forth on, on on whether or not it's like that's already in us or if it's somewhere outside of us if it's present or not so um, you know being able to have that embodiment of whatever that god or goddess is in ceremony is really fucking cool and I think again we we talked a little bit about, we, we started talking a little bit about practical magic last year. I think we're probably going to delve a lot more in this season, but, you know, being able to, um, calling in the, calling in the four angels of the corners of the watchtowers and then doing the rose cross, like all of these, these more advanced rituals that you start getting into is literally being able to see yourself or see another in another place in the room with you so that you are surrounded by these angelic energies. Like, you know, the, it's funny to, like you, we talked, you said earlier about like, do, be not afraid with the angels, like always coming in and saying that. And it's kind of like, we're always fucking here, guys. We're always here. We just don't always show ourselves to you. So um, I, with the stuff that you guys are doing in All Souls, like, are you, are you doing any type of ritual along those lines? Like, what are you? It's, so the general, the, the, the temple that's open to the public right Mm -hmm. so like the energetic space that happens with the public it's like being able to walk into a park there's no boundaries on like uh like you would cast a circle there's no um sense of this is like the the order that you're doing things it's non-hierarchical at all Mm -hmm. everybody who um has the understanding of these philosophies and principles who's been like a founding member is one it trades off speaking so it's mm-hmm. not always me doing the talks and you're getting the same concepts from different perspectives so one person can talk about um the tenet of correspondence as above so below as within so without and then mm-hmm. i could speak about it and you would hear something different right because it's it's through the human perspective and then at the end we just say the same prayer and it's the, the gist of it is may you know yourself and find the light which is the temple mm-hmm. creed and so it's it's a very 
generic blessing in that sense because not everybody's ready for ceremonial magic not everybody's ready for deep mantra and mudra and Mm -hmm. meditation not everybody's ready for um witchy ecstatic dance but they want it and Mm -hmm. we're introducing it slowly and i think we're we don't want it to go like fully dogmatic either where it's like you must do this every sunday we want it to be like this is what feels right this sunday and so sometimes there's a little bit of a guided meditation sometimes there's some breath work sometimes there's a, a mindfulness practice sometimes there's a tapping sometimes whatever is uh in the field for the person who's leading the temple talk is is going to bring through something different Mm -hmm. and i recognize that when you start stepping towards the lbrp the lesser banishing ritual the pentagram when you start stepping towards asking for the knowledge and conversation of the holy guardian angel when you start stepping towards really channeling opening up to star seeds doing all of that stuff it radically shifts your life and unless you are consciously asking for it, it's terrifying. So I don't want to mm-hmm. en- encourage people to do that in that temple space without everybody who's present being aware Knowing, of, right. of what we're about to do and being consenting towards it. I'm not going to force anybody to evolve. I'm not going <laughs> to force anybody to do magic. And not everybody's even comfortable with the word magic. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm recognizing that if I want it to be available for all because it's for all souls Mm -hmm. then i can't dictate what i think is best for me i can offer and say hey this feels right are you open to this and if even one person is not then i need to reconsider why am Mm -hmm. i doing this for me or am i doing this for the group right and if that one person is like really adamant but everybody else is really excited then maybe we ask them to step outside Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm open to how it's growing and how it's shifting and changing, but it's basically a hermetic <clears throat> church. Like if if Hermes Trismegistus <laughs> could be the Jesus figure, that's that's almost where we're at. He is. He's just not nailed to anything. No, he's a philosopher. He's thrice great. Yeah. <laughs> He wrote on some emerald tablets and he handed them down to people because he was here during Atlantis. See, that's the other thing too, is I, I'm not gonna force anybody to believe that he was a real person on this planet, even though I believe he incarnated multiple times the way that Vishnu incarnated multiple times as an avatar. Mm-hmm. Because I also think that he was actually here as Madison High, even though most people don't believe in part lion, part human creatures. <laughs> They're anthropes, baby. That's They're the other everywhere. cool thing. You, when you start when you start to see that type of correlation between Eastern and Western, you're kind of like, oh, this is the same book. They're all reading from they're all drinking from the same Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're all forgetting the same mm-hmm. things too. Which yeah. I think like if if I could pick the ten people that have radically influenced well, let's do this. Let's do this. I'll pick five. You pick five. Um, okay. The current practices that I have, like Graham Hancock would be one of them because okay. of the amount of... Wait, say say what it is that we're doing and because we'll the, start... The it. five people who super influenced my practice over the past 10 years that have like just radically contributed to the way that everything... I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to edit this, but I just want to I want to have it. So it's kind of like, no, no, let's, let's redo this. So you're so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you 
who are the five people who have affected you the most in your practice in the past 10 years? Okay, now ask it to me naturally. <laughs> okay, who are the five people that have most radically influenced your practice in the past 10 years? I'm not sure, you go first. Okay, Graham Hancock, because every okay. time I read his books, I feel like I'm remembering things. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm tapping into stuff that is already there and he's just either confirming it or reminding me or helping me put the dots together. And well, he, he'll say something in his book and I'll think about something that I dreamed about and realize, oh my God, holy crap, that's true. And, and all of the things that he's piecing together help give a foundation to a lot of the stuff that I believe in that nobody would believe me otherwise. Not that they need to. I might not even believe myself all the time and I just think, oh, he's got this point from Sumeria and this point from Egypt and this point from the Amazon and this point from the Ojibwe and they all are talking about the same thing. Clearly, there, there was a place that I used to exist called Atlantis that is real that nobody wants to deal with and I fully believe in that. And then I also appreciate how much of the Corpus Hermeticum and the Hermetica in general that Graham has studied and I feel like that helped lead me towards where I am right now with all the work I'm doing with Thoth and all the work that I'm doing with his other manifestations of Odin, of Hermes, of Mercury. And then I think Carolyn Elliott, just mm -hmm. hands down the existential kink meditation that she shares with her clients and her students and her, her courses and all of that. And now in her book of the same name is the most radical way to quickly embody the alternative viewpoint so that you're practicing the left-hand path, like the lightning path. That's all that she's doing. She's taking Tantra and making it more accessible than it already is. Because it is accessible. Anybody can do it. It just takes years of meditation. But now she's making it like days of meditation instead. Mm -hmm. And that has been huge. And then I've I've also really gotten into Lon Miller Duquette. Like he's he's just he's funny enough that even if I'm crying because what he's saying is true, I'm still laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so as like as current authors go, that has been really, really big. Tom Kenyon and the work that he's done with the Hathors and channeling and sound and all of that, that's really informed the way that I trust spirit and the way that mm -hmm. I trust what's coming through. And then I would say like weirdly, because I just keep coming back to it and I, I don't know how else to embody it is Diana Paxson and her taking up the runes and and I didn't think that I was going to be that Asatru heathen type of witchcraft <laughs> practitioner but the runes have been so powerful and with other apprenticeships that I've done and the Norns have come up the runes just like pour in so I feel like for me that's something that all the magic is eventually coming around with where I'm like, oh yeah, Freya, oh yeah, Odin, oh yeah, Thor, and Tyr, and Baldur, and I'm learning their names in ways that I didn't understand before. So mm -hmm. I feel like that's, 
it's not as strong as maybe some of the others, but also I'm not surrounded by a lot of people who are interested in it in the way that right. are some of the other stuff. And I feel like if the community was a little bit larger or if I was a little bit more white, weird <laughs> to say, like then it would probably come through louder. I don't know. What about you? Um, well, in the last year, uh, definitely Damien Eccles. I have listened to the Angels and Archangels book so many times and it's it's been like a constant go-to for me it's a very it's a very easy and simple way to understand um the angels of the tree of life the angels of the zodiac the angels of the i'm going to call it the mercury sphere because uh, it's the shimha mefrash but it's technically the the sphere around the sun um uh I, a lot of good basic info on on ceremonial magic like it he took he took the israel regardi's golden dawn book and picked out his favorite things in there is pretty much what it feels like to me and then he put some of his some of his own experience in there as well but it is one of the best and easily accessible um books on ceremonial magic so uh damien eccles has been a huge influence on me in the past year um uh franz barden has been uh another another big one too like he wrote a lot of his stuff in a cipher which is relatively basic um which i find to be kind of problematic because you have to do the translation of it and anybody who's written any type of occult book does that so that they, you have to do a little bit of work on it um but just the information that he has especially in his um his uh his second book the uh the book on evocation uh i mean he covers the 360 angels of of the earth sphere so every single day is covered not just the deacons then he does the the moon sphere he covers the um the mercury sphere the sun sphere so also i don't know if you've seen pictures of the um the tree of life with all of the all of the spirits and the energies that correlate to each of them it's like he covers all of them up into saturn and then he talks about the he talks about the the uh angels but not necessarily the spirits so um it's uh he again a lot of his stuff is like his first book initiation to hermetics is really good too and i haven't gotten into his third one which is a, a is a, a book on kabbalism but i mean just the way that he talks about stuff it's like it's relatively effortless and you can tell that he's done the work because he's made contact with these energies and he's actually you know he, he's been kind enough to share it and the guy was he, I'm pretty sure he was in Germany during um, World War II uh, and in Russia or in that area. So he was arrested twice. He was in prison twice. He died in prison. And um, I mean, just he was a stage magician. And to to have to see somebody who especially existed and, and lived in a in an age and in an area that was so, like you could literally get thrown in jail for talking about this kind of stuff like that was it's uh it's awesome to find that he has you know three of his books that are that are out there um one other one that was a, was a fictional book that he wrote and then somebody else actually finished for him um but uh he's he's been a big he's been a big influence on me um i've moved away i feel like from mantra but i can't i can't say enough about thomas ashley Ferrand. i think we talk about him all the time so um i'm gonna throw him in there just to give him props thank you thomas for everything that you've done um Israel Regardi, of course. Um, he, uh, like I said, gold, the Golden Dawn, especially this past year, Lindsay gave me the book for my, my uh, 41st birthday. So I had it when I was in Boulder and it became 
uh, like I said, I was able to recognize a lot of the stuff that Damian Eccles had done in the Angels and Archangels book through that. Um, and it's, you know, it's dog-eared, it's bookmarked. Uh, just the amount of times that I've flipped to a random page, read through something, um, specifically the, um, uh, there's a, there's a like praise to the elemental mercury and it just, it's a, it's a prayer. It's short. It's like a page and a half, two pages long. And he's there like as soon as you start reading it. So that energy has been invoked enough times through that ceremony that it's very present. It's very strong. Um, and, uh, I mean, I'll say probably for the, for number five, I would probably say Agrippa, like I bought, um, I bought, um, his three books of occult philosophy a couple of months ago. And it's the same thing. Like I'll open it up and just the stuff that I'm currently working on. It's just very, it's right there. It always shows up exactly where it's supposed to be. Um, it has a lot of stuff in languages that I didn't realize that I was going to be interested in. Like it talks about Malachim. It talks about, um, Theban, like there's, there's just, it, there's a wealth of information that's in there. Um, so it's another one of those 65 or $75 books. So if you're, if you are interested, I would definitely, I'll give that the thumbs up. And the same thing with uh, Israel Regardi's Golden Dawn. Like it's, it's worth it just to, even for the things that are incorrect in it, because you'll realize the more that you've done this stuff, <laughs> that there are certain things that are, that are wrong. Um, that, and it's because I think it was written that way. Obviously, like I said, it's once you start to do the research on things, you realize that things are occult and it's still occult even when you're reading about it and like you have to like feel it just means mysterious it's been kept in it's the dark. hidden yeah it's hidden on purpose yeah and even hermes writes that like um the the last words he was supposed to have written was may these words stay secret until those who are ready to read them rediscover them and they were they were put in the dark and like all the right. people you mentioned all the people i mentioned mm -hmm. they're all tapping back into the same thing yeah all going back to what we used to know. Mm -hmm. On that note, I really have to pee. Well, it's understandable. We've been talking for a while. Um, so there we go. Episode one, season two. We kind of covered we covered a whole bunch of shit. But uh, thanks for coming back. We're excited to uh, to jump into season two. We've already got a bunch of good interviews that we've recorded, and we've got more people coming. And if you have anything that you want to say to us, uh, you know, shoot us a message. Yeah. Yeah. You can email yeah. me at Amy at amysolara.com and jeremy at you can hit me up at uh jeremy at voicehandsheart.com i also my website is back live so you can find me at voicehandsheart it is just a landing page that takes you to my webpage, which is jeremyrenta.com my name.com um and it has all of my offerings if you're interested uh the only thing that's not listed on there currently is uh ceremonial coaching because I just have coaching on there. And if anybody's actually interested, the only I feel like the people who are going to find me for ceremonial coaching are going to be people who are going to be finding me through our podcast. Yes, so so if you're interested, uh, reach out and, and, and say hey. So mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I've got some stuff in the works. I'll be announcing soon-ish in March. So when you hear this, you know, keep an eye out because things will be ready to launch and it'll be exciting. Some spring equinox right why not yeah why not just wait until the perfect moment to birth something so mm -hmm. doing that um yeah hit us up for astrology readings jeremy and i can both do them and mm -hmm. it's the quick the surefire way to get to know yourself mm -hmm. more than anything else look at your astrology chart with somebody who knows how to read it because it's like reading gibberish yes and if you are interested in in empowerment uh 
I'm the stuff that I'm going to be doing is actually teaching people how to cast uh, cast their own chart, like, like, not like read their chart, but actually cast a circle and to call in the energies that they need for their chart. So depending on where things are in the sky, you're actually going to be able to, to work with some of the angelic energies that are out there. So mm-hmm. there you go. Getting fancy. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're glad you're back. We're glad to be back and we're excited for what's coming. <laughs>